What is going on, everybody? Welcome into another episode of Anti Up. I'm your host, Howard Bender. Uh, with me, of course, Adam Ronis. Big shout-outs to the Sawdust Podcast Network and Fantasy Alarm for uh, making this uh, this dream team team up here for uh, for podcasts. Adam, how are you today? It's been a very, very uh, stressful day. Tensions riding very, very hard. Uh, NBA is canceled. Their games for uh, for for Wednesday night. Players and, and everybody are in a discussion right now to figure out whether or not they're even going to continue the season. Um, that's happening. MLB canceled a bunch of games uh, for tonight. So I don't know. What do you, you want to talk some fantasy football? Sure, but I just want to <laughs> say something real quick. If you know, if you guys listen to the podcast yesterday, if you didn't, what the hell's wrong with you? Go download it now and listen every single day. Like it, subscribe. Uh, you know, Howard asked me about the NBA games as far as sports betting. And if you listen to me, you could kind of tell that I didn't have a strong feeling either way. And I was still trying to figure it out. I felt the same way today. And even before the games were postponed, I was not submitting a best bet article today because I didn't like anything. And the reason I'm saying that is you do not have to place a wager every day. If you don't have a strong feeling on a game, take the day off. You don't need every single day to have something on the line. So there were only three games, uh, well, scheduled. Uh, It was going to be a 14-point spread, a 13-and-a-half, and and the Rockets by four. And the reason why I was headed with the Rockets was I didn't know the status of Russell Westbrook. He went from he was going to be out to questionable. I think he was going to play. But the point I'm just making, again, is you don't feel good about the day in sports wagering? Don't put money on it. Take the day off. Yeah, see, and I love that advice. I love that advice. There are too many people who just feel like they, I mean, listen, I get it. You, If you feel like you have to have action every single day, maybe, uh, you know, call that 1-800 number. Because really, I mean, there are going to be days like this where you don't feel good about a slate and forcing a bet just for the sake of making the bet. Uh, not what you want to be doing. So, uh, you know, listen, when, yeah, when we talked about it last night, you said you didn't feel good about it. Um, you know, and I, and I knew that this was great. Okay. So there's a night where you don't really have to worry about it. So, um, you know, kudos to you for, uh, helping out people being responsible. We're hoping that they're responsible. Um, so, all right. So, I mean, we could talk, uh, you, you were just hitting me up with some MLB news. So maybe people are, are missing out on that. Well, talk to me about Aaron judge, uh, leaving today's doubleheader with, uh, with, uh, the calf issue. Yeah, left in the sixth inning, he was pulled as calf tightened up again, according to Aaron Boone. So this was the first game back. Of course, Judge said he doesn't think it's serious, but uh, it's you know what, you never know. And you know, he had said, remember when it first happened? He's like, yeah, I want to play, and the Yankees like, no, no, just you know, take the time off. And uh, I, I think you have to be worried about this and. You know, it's so funny because I we had the discussion before the year and like I was just down on Aaron Judge, just worried about the injuries, the rib. And then he gets off to this MVP start. And I go, well, I guess I was wrong. And now it looks like maybe I was right. We'll see. Uh, But it happened when he was running the second base. And I don't know, like I I I, I like Judge, even though I don't like the Yankees. But for fantasy, like I like him. I was taking him in the first round last year. It just feels like he might be headed towards the Giancarlo Stanton path. I mean, both big guys muscular and just seem to get these injuries. So 
it's unfortunate because, man, uh, he could put up ridiculous numbers. And it's hurting the Yankees right now. Uh, they're going to be fine in the end. We know this. But they got swept in a doubleheader by the Braves. You know, the, the, the time that I actually need the Yankees to win, right? And they lose both games to Atlanta. Not that it matters for the Mets because they can only have a shot to win when Jacob DeGrom's on the mound. And even then, it doesn't happen often. But, uh, yeah, sir, so I, I think, you know, Aaron Judge owners are probably happy. Oh, I got him back, and now he leaves again. And they have more doubleheaders coming up. They got a doubleheader against the Mets Friday and Sunday. There's no way he's playing in both games of those if he's back. No, definitely not. And uh, you know, and it's it the, the for me, it's you know, it's it's what the injury is. It's the calf. You know, we saw what that we've we've seen that when happens when uh, players try to come back too soon from a calf injury, they don't take it seriously. You know, it's like put a walking boot on for a couple of weeks and then see how you feel. But they always, you know, they kind of hobble along. They put some weight on it. They they you know, it, it, they feel like in two weeks' time or a week's time that they're okay. Uh, that, that, you know, everything feels fine. And then all of a sudden, you know, it's like when you have to like put pressure on that leg and you're, you know, and you're hitting when you're running. Uh, I mean, we saw what it did to Josh Donaldson last year. You know, how much time did Donaldson miss? Because he, uh, he got the, he had the calf injury. Then he tried to come back too soon uh, and then started missing time again. So, you know, that is, uh, that is definitely a, a bummer. It's as much of a bummer as, uh, as Jacob deGrom's talents being wasted on the New York Mets. Uh, you're not lying about that. And it, I, I, and whoever, if anyone ever wants to bring the stupid wins measure a pitcher, uh, hopefully we're in an era now where that argument is over with. I've had it for many years. Jacob DeGrom is the prime example. All right. And finally, you know, he, he won that Cy Young with the lack of wins. But if anyone ever brings that stupid argument up, all you got to do is present Jacob DeGrom, show them his numbers and tell them, see ya, you're you lost. It's over. Yeah. Uh, King Felix paved the way for DeGrom to win that Cy Young because it was Felix uh, who what did he, he won the Cy Young with a 13-win season for the Mariners. I believe so. Yeah, it was definitely a low number. It was. But a DeGrom, low number. Was it, wasn't DeGrom under 500 when he won the Cy Young one of those years, right? Um, I think so. I, I don't even look at the records anymore. It sucks for fantasy, though. It do does, you think, do it you does think suck for DeGrom, fantasy. <laughs> do you think he's the best pitcher in baseball right now? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Actually, no, he he was not under 500. That was 2016. He was 7 and 8. Since then, he's been 15 and 10, 10 and 9, 11 and 8. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the problem, you know, when you when you don't get the wins total. Uh, you know, I had Garrett Cole ranked ahead of him this year solely because of the wins. You know, both great strikeouts, both guys, you know, just stalwarts go the distance, but... Garrett Cole is going to get those wins with the Yankees that Jacob DeGrom isn't going to get uh, from the Mets. And that's really, you know, that's the only reason that I put Cole above uh, above DeGrom. I love DeGrom. I have DeGrom in a, in a couple of leagues. So, you know, but it is. It's definitely a bummer to, to see him not get some wins. But, you know, again, that's one category. And what he does for your ratios and your strikeouts is just, oh, just so damn sexy. Love it so much. I actually had DeGrom one and Cole two. I switched them because, remember, DeGrom had that back issue right before the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I said, all right, well, maybe he misses time. Maybe it's a problem. So I'll just put Cole one. But before – but you, you're you're right about the wins. I mean, if you want to look at it that way. I also looked at it, okay, at some point, <laughs> the Mets are actually going to score runs for him. Uh, I guess I've been wrong on that. He hasn't lost yet, though. 
He has not lost yet. But again, I mean, how many how many times did you see the Mets score one or two runs at the most uh, in support of it's, it's every almost every outing. I saw this stat a few a few days ago, and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, man, this is just insane that over that much a period of time that a pitcher can get that lack of a run support. You know, you you should all right, one year, fine. Okay, maybe half the next year. But over like four or five years, it's it's amazing. Like I give DeGrom a lot of credit because he doesn't at least show it physically, emotionally on the mound. But I can tell you this, if that was me in the locker room, man, I'd be throwing <laughs> things at break. For real, I'd be like, come on, man. I'm out here dominating and you guys can't give me three runs? Right. I'm not asking for five. Give me three. <laughs> Always, always worse when like the, the, you know, he's like facing a punching bag, you know? <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, I hope he has one at home and just goes off on it because it's just insane uh, how unfair it is. Uh, because when we look at his win total at the end of his career, we're going to be like, oh, really? That's it? Because uh, it should be so much better. Right. Well, I mean, he'll, he'll definitely, he'll go down as, as one of the more dominant pitchers of his time frame and, uh, and and surprisingly, with like the worst wins totals out of out of any of them. I mean, that's just you know forever be remembered uh, as the guy who was uh, so phenomenal yet was on such a crap team that they you never know, did anything for him. I love doing this. I don't do it enough because we're so busy doing you know our assignments. I just wish I could spend the day, and I should have done this during it, but just going through everyone's stats and reading. This is amazing to me. Jacob DeGrom's homers per nine the last three – since 2018 when home runs are flying out of the park, right? 2018, 0.41. Last year, 0.84. This year, obviously only six starts, 0.51. How amazing is that? <laughs> Ridiculously amazing. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I just I, said to you it's just, it's, I, I love DeGrom. Era, yeah. Oh, man. It, dude, it's – you know what? Listen – Degrom to the Mets right now is what Mattingly was to the Yankees in the in the uh, in the eighties, right? You had this great ball player with a phenomenal hit tool and solid defense at first, and batting title champion, uh, and they surround him with just uh, just trash. Like they just can't put it together, and you know get him a championship. Like now Degrom. Uh, putting up insane numbers with regularity. There's just so much consistency there, uh, and the Mets aren't doing anything for them. That's just, say la vie. Sometimes the best players don't always win the championship. Uh, that is for sure. And in baseball, obviously, we've seen a lot of good players never win because much different than uh, other sports, especially the NBA, where one player can dominate. Yes, no doubt. All right. Well, I, before I have to like say another nice thing about Degrom, I'm gonna change the subject. I'm gonna give a shout out uh, to our sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight, uh, who is uh, a fantastic alternative DFS site that you definitely should be uh, should be looking into. So, and here's why. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Then you need to check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than the other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against sharks, which means anyone has a chance at winning, even you, Adam, even you. 
Uh, MonkeyNightFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love. Baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, and eSports too. Monkey Knife Fight has it all. You know what else MonkeyNightFight.com has? How about a free $5 game for you for just for signing up? And if you use the promo code ANTIUP, one word, A-N-T-E-U-P, you will have your first deposit matched instantly up to 50 bucks. With a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you can be pretty certain you know what you're going to be getting when you sign up to play. Monkeys and knives and fights and sports. Sign up and play today at MonkeyKnifeFight.com. Play, play MKFing win. State and age restrictions apply. See site for full terms and restrictions. So that's how we uh, pay the bills. All right, Adam. So let's uh, pivot off of baseball. Let's talk a little fantasy football. Uh, I asked you what you wanted to chat about today, and late round draft strategy was the uh, was the topic. Am I correct, or was it early round strategy? Uh, Not late round. I feel like it was late. Yes. Good. Phew. Because I don't want to talk early round strategy. I talk about the first five picks way too much already. So. Draft strategy in uh, in fantasy football late. Um, what are some of the things that you, uh, you you that are primary to you when you're doing it? Yeah, I think well, one thing I want to do is I'm looking for players with high ceiling. Uh, these could be players that maybe don't have an opportunity early in the season of the depth chart or the third receiver, or maybe. Uh, a second year receiver that didn't produce in their first year. I mean, the example from last year that really worked out was DJ Chark, right? I mean, if you took him late in your draft, he didn't do much his rookie year, but we knew the talent was there, got the opportunity and went off. Um, now he was not drafted in many leagues and someone you could pick up week one, but I'm looking for someone like that. I'm also looking for, you know, backup running backs, man. That's what I try to get in the late rounds. And I have made this, point before uh when we've discussed these industry leagues where so many people are taking second quarterbacks especially when you have patrick mahomes uh lamar jackson like you don't need one like take a backup running back you never know what's going to happen there could be an injury in training camp no preseason this year but in the past you know injuries in uh the preseason uh, but we've already seen guys banged up. So yeah, instead but, of... But, but let me ask you, if, if everybody else in your league is taking a backup quarterback, um, and yeah, okay, you've got Mahomes, you've got Lamar Jackson, but, you know, Mahomes got hurt last year, right? So, you know... What yeah, happened? and he missed, what, two weeks? You go to the waiver wire and pick someone up. There's always quarterbacks that emerge off the waiver wire. Ryan Tannehill was one last year. And as I've said, these people who draft the backup quarterbacks, especially in a league with 16 rounds, they drop them. Right. It happened in okay. FSGA last year, and that was a 14-team league. You're going to drop them. If you have 16 roster spots, you're going to have bye weeks. You're going to have injuries. You can't carry that second quarterback, and you're going to go, all right, you know what? I'm going to cut him. So I just – again, it's you could disagree with me because I know how you've taken a second quarterback. I do if it's 20 rounds or 18. If it's 16, I won't do it, especially if we're doing a draft July, early August. I'm not because I'm just going to roll with the one quarterback. I mean, I did it last year. You could say I'm I'm living dangerously. That's fine. I did it last year with Jameis Winston. And Jameis Winston was risky going into last year, right? Because it, it, he even with all the interceptions he threw, 
say he started out the season through four interceptions week one, another two weeks, he could have been benched. I mean, there was a lot of talk about that early in the year. It worked out, but I took that risk because I'd rather have the running back on my roster. Now, the running back that I took late in that draft was Raquel Armstead. He never got the job, right? Leonard Fournette stayed healthy. I would do the same thing again because last year was a year where a lot of running backs stayed healthy mm-hmm. and we didn't get many off the wave wire. It's not going to repeat. And I, I hope I'm wrong on this. I think we're going to see a lot of injuries this year. We're already seeing it. Guys are different offseason, no OTAs, not a regular training camp, no preseason. We're going to see a lot of injuries this year. It's going to be a wealthful waiver wire. I hope I'm wrong, but I feel it that we're going to see a ton of injuries. Yeah, I, I feel like we're going to see a, a you know a little bit more than what our fair share is. So, um, yeah, but I mean, you could you could use that same argument to sway taking a, a backup quarterback. I mean, yeah, you might end up dealing with a, a lot of injuries. Um, over the course of the season, you could also get lucky through the first couple oh. of weeks and nobody gets hurt um, well, and you still have your guys. So, you know, I mean, I, I just, my, my feeling about it is, is, you know, I mean, yes, you, you could definitely, you could definitely turn around and say that they're going to be, there, there could be a quarterback later on, on the, uh, on the waiver wire. Um, let me ask you for Derek Carr is probably a guy who will probably be sitting on the waiver wire. I mean, if it, if it means using a, a, a late round pick to make sure that you've got a quality backup there, you know, why do you want to, why do you want to risk the, the Derek Carr week? Because what's easier to find on the waiver wire, a running back or a quarterback? It just depends on what the, what the situation is. If you're no, dealing with injured quarterbacks or COVID quarterbacks, so, so you, people are going to be picking that, them up like mad. So do you think, do you think the people who had Ben Roethlisberger last year as their only quarterback, did their season go up in flames? Um, no, I, I honestly, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if their if their season went up in flames. Yeah, I, listen, what I'm saying is who who are going to be who who do you think is the emerging quarterback uh, sitting on the waiver wire? I do, dude. Would we have even discussed Ryan Tannehill last year at this time? And I, did you think Ryan Tannehill, if he got the job, was going to play like he did? Did I think he was going to play like he yeah. did? No, but when he did start playing well, I immediately was uh, was jumping on him, and I actually, uh, you know, got into it with Impemba a number of times, uh, John Impemba from Fantasy Alarm, uh, because I was laughing about the fact that Ryan Tannehill, like everybody's talking about Lamar Jackson as the MVP, Lamar Jackson is the MVP. I said, Ryan Tannehill needs to be in this conversation for MVP. So, you know, I mean, listen, did did I think it was going to emerge like that? No, but I mean, I hated Marcus Mariota also, but so I was avoiding Tennessee quarterbacks as is. Um but I mean, how often does do, do you think that really happens that somebody like every Tannehill every year is like that? Every year. Who who did it the year before? I got to go look. I don't remember. Mahomes was drafted as a backup quarterback. Yes, Mahomes was definitely drafted as a backup quarterback. As was there's always as, there's as was always, Lamar Jackson last year, <laughs> right? In in some leagues, sure, sure. But it's easier to go to the waiver wire and find a quarterback than it is a running back. And the other thing is, you get that backup running back, and the injury does occur, you just save yourself three four hundred dollars in fab. Yeah, no, yeah. no one's spending three four hundred dollars on a quarterback. No, Not nobody is spending that much on a quarterback. Uh, I mean, you know, outside of a super flex league and people being super desperate for uh Well, for yeah, that, that's different. Yeah. 
Well, you know, I mean, listen, there are different circumstances for everything. Um, I just, listen, I think that, yeah, you know, I mean, the big injuries when they happen at running back are definitely going to be more costly than if there's a big injury at, at you know, at, uh, at quarterback. But when I'm sitting there and I'm looking at, you know, I'm looking at the league and I'm looking at, at who I'm playing against, and if I see a lot of people are all grabbing those quarterbacks, I mean, is it going to kill me to, to use a, a, a late round pick, like a like a 14th or 15th or 16th? Well, I mean, if we're, I mean, you know, if we're talking 16 rounds, 15th round pick for a QB? I mean, that that's fine. I mean, I mean, you you look at that and you say, okay, so I have myself a decent QB. It's either that or you know, you want to throw a dart on somebody. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, I'm, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take, take Anthony McFarland in the 15th and hope that there are multiple injuries in, in Pittsburgh backfield, or am I gonna just reassure myself that I'm completely covered because uh, I've got Matt Ryan's bye week covered here? Why are you worried about Matt Ryan's bye week if it's like week seven or eight before the season? You know things change. I'm Worry about that bye week when maybe. it comes. I'm staying what? prepared. I'm staying prepared. No, it's it's dude. This is a week to week game, and everything changes. Don't worry about week seven, week eight in the draft. You should be lear- worrying about getting potential breakout players or players that could emerge into your starting lineup late in the draft. Okay, so you would so yeah, all right. So so it's your view that okay, I'm going to take Anthony McFarland. I'll just DeAndre Washington, Rykel Armstead, Josh Kelly, Gio Bernard, all those guys over a backup quarterback. Because all it takes is well, one Josh injury. Ke- Josh Kelly's a different circumstance. I would take Josh Kelly over a backup QB also. If I didn't have to take a backup QB, listen, it's a, it's, a, it's a preference, it's a choice. I mean, I usually, because I know, because I go so heavy running back and wide receiver earlier in my draft, I feel very confident and comfortable with my situation. I'll grab, I'll go after, you know, somebody... You know, in the late rounds, whether it's a, uh, you know, like a like a Joshua Kelly or, uh, you know, even like a Carlos Hyde, I'm like you know, I'll grab those guys, but I'm not going to sit here and just you know immediately dismiss the idea of taking a backup QB. Yeah, I mean, again, I don't do it if it's 16 rounds. If it's 18 and 20, sure, I'll take one. I got more roster spots, but if I only have 16 and then I got bye weeks to deal with the potential injuries, if there's no IR spots. It's just I don't want to have a second car- quarterback clogging up my roster, especially if I'm real confident in my QB1 and I'm going to play him every week. I mean, again, if you got Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, I mean, come on, man. Like, just you're rolling with them every week, regardless of matchup. So why do you need to worry about a backup quarterback? And I know there, there was a year I think Aaron Rodgers got hurt. Fine, whatever. I mean, you, you can go to the waiver wire and find someone. Not every Because not everyone's going to have a backup quarterback. If you're in a 12-team league, and say 20 are taken, you're going to find guys, and especially this year too. We know that there's going to be some quarterback changes, and what if Tua comes in and lights it up? What if Herbert comes in and lights it up? Those guys are going to be sitting on the waiver wire. Um, you know, Herbert, yes. I see people take Tua all the time. Um, They're going to drop him, bro. When I'm telling well, you right now. The, you know what? They're going to do that also with like Gio Bernard. They're going to sit there. They draft Gio Bernard in the, in the, in the last round of their draft. Okay, and, and what if Mixon gets hurt before the start of the season? Then then you've lucked out. That's that's what happened with Le'Veon Bell not reporting and people taking James Conner in the last round of their draft. No, dude. Well, I don't know. I saw people maybe taking James Conner round seven, eight, and nine that year. Maybe maybe close to the season, but when you're sitting there, you know, and you're drafting guys, uh, you know, I, I saw 
Connor going very late rounds. I didn't. I never saw Connor go seventh, eighth round. I mean, maybe he crept up a little bit, but I, I seventh, eighth round seems uh, seems like it was that. That's a little high for where he was uh, where he was really going that year. I mean, we still all had hopes that Le'Veon Bell was going to report. Yeah, no, I saw a lot of leagues where he was going pretty high. I think a lot of people felt maybe in those leagues at least they were speculating that Bell was going to sit out. So. All right, but so let's say so Joe Mixon doesn't get hurt heading into the season, and you've t- somebody took Gio Bernard with their last pick because why? He's a high upside guy, and if Joe Mixon gets hurt, then Gio Bernard's going to get you know a bunch of touches. Okay, fine. Three weeks go into the season, and they're dealing with injuries at wide receiver, and they're dealing with you know uh, whatever another running back situation. Um, boom, they have to. You know, are, are they going to sit there and they're going to hold Gio Bernard? who's seen like, you know, five snaps through the first two weeks of the season? Or, you know, I mean, are they really going to, you know, are they, are they going to okay, hold so him it, or are they going to drop him? It's the same thing with the backup quarterback then. Right. So, right? I mean, what is it really? Drop so, so, so tomato, well, okay. tomato. No, my point is what is easier to find on the waiver wire? A well, quarterback if dropping all back. the Geo Bernards and the Malcolm Browns and the Frank Gores, those guys will be available I'm not drafting me. Frank Gore. I'm, I'm, I understand you're not drafting Frank Gore. I didn't say you particularly. I'm just saying in general. Like people, my, what, like people are grabbing these guys late in drafts. Okay, because they're supposed. You know, I mean, Frank Gore has some upside if if it's true that he is going he has to be no the goal line back. He has he's, no upside. If he's going to be the goal line back, he's just Dude, getting okay. touchdowns. Go look at Frank Gore's. I tweeted this like three weeks ago. Go look at Frank Gore's numbers inside the 10 last year and tell me he has upside when he was on a, behind a better offensive line than he is with the Jets. He had like one touchdown in 18 opportunities inside the 10. He has no upside if he's the goal line back because he was last year. And what did he do in Buffalo? I'm looking for Frank Gore right now. He did nothing. He had like one touchdown in 18, if I remember correctly. I know I tweeted this about – Three weeks ago, I was doing some research, and I was like, oh, my God, this is pathetic. This is what Frank Gore did. Why was Buffalo keep handing him the football? Uh, let's see. Red zone was the goal. He was essentially the, the goal line back last year. He had two touchdowns on 166 carries. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, I get it. He's also it's dealing 36. with Devin Singletary there. He was also dealing with Josh Singletary Allen poaching touchdowns. Dude, he had 18 carries inside the 10. I got gotcha. you. So how was Singletary a factor? He was getting the carry. Singletary wasn't. And he couldn't do anything with them. Wait, and how Buffalo, many, how many like, touches inside the 10 did Singletary have? I don't know. Oh, you just said to me. I said Frank Gore, Gore had 18. Gore had them. You said Singletary was there. Singletary had nothing to do with Gore because they kept giving Gore the ball inside the 10. Maybe it was their offense not being productive enough. Sorry, I'm just going to Singletary right now. He didn't get many, I don't think, because he only had, I think he had two rushing touchdowns. Which is which is why I'm down on him this year too, because they're gonna Zach Moss is gonna do what Frank Gore did last year. They're gonna give Moss those, and Moss is gonna be able to pound them in more than Gore. I mean, Gore's I respect the hell out of Gore. It's amazing. He's 37 years old, he's still playing. He's got no upside. 
Yes. He hasn't Let's... done anything for okay. like. Okay, you know what, Adam? You're debating something that you don't even need to debate. I'm not telling you to take Frank Gore. I'm not even suggesting to people to take Frank Gore. What I'm up, saying though. is, is I'm seeing these guys go late in drafts, and they're just the wrong... as droppable that's... as a backup quarterback. But that's the wrong guy to 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 put in the I argument. I gave you Gio Bernard. The same situation. Right, and. And people you are dropping look, Gio it, Bernard in the first three weeks of the season as much as they're dropping their backup QB. But again, can you answer the question, what is easier to find on the waiver wire, a quarterback or a running back? Well, are you talking about a running back or are you talking about a starting running back? A starting running back. Well, can you, no, what's then, more easy then, to no, find it's on easier, the Then obviously it's easier to get that. You're easy, easier to get a starting QB than it is I'll a get, starting running back. Right, which is why I'm saying you're better off taking that backup running back who could emerge into a starter with an injury as opposed to a quarterback because you can always go to the waiver wire and find the quarterback. Right. So I'd rather – it's supply and demand. I'd rather have the scarce commodity at the end of my roster. We're probably going to drop both of them because you have to make a drop. Your, your week one waiver wire is big because there's going to be a few guys that emerge that we had no idea that just – and we have to figure out is this for real or is this a fluke? There's Kevin Ogletree example from years ago. There's DJ Chark from last year. You have to make a cut. More than likely, your cuts are coming from weeks thir uh, rounds 13 to 60, right? So all of these guys are probably going to be cut. My point is I'd rather have that backup running back because it's much more difficult to find a playable running back in fantasy on the waiver wire than it is a quarterback. I we get can easily. I get that. That's your opinion. I get that. That's that's totally fine. I'm not arguing against it. I'm not saying it's a bad strategy. I'm just saying that you there's more than one way to skin a cat. And depending there on is. your league, if you want to take a fucking backup quarterback, you can take a fucking backup quarterback. That's what I'm saying here. You don't have to. I mean, it's one spot there. I mean, how many how many bench spots are we looking at? If it's ten starters and six bench spots, that's then not yes, a lot of bench I get spots. it. You want to load up as many wide receivers and running backs as you as you possibly can. But if you have more bench spots, you can do that. Some people like having the security of a backup QB, and there's more than one way to skin a cat. So my feeling about it is, is that listen, that's your suggestion, Adam, to only take those guys and i'm saying that that's not your only option i'm not going to tell you not to take a backup qb if you feel like everybody in your league is taking backup quarterbacks and you're worried about needing somebody you know for for a week whether he's a bye week six bye week seven whoever the hell it is there are some people who just prefer that to happen you know okay there are some people who don't who don't study uh the the depth of running backs and they have no idea who the fifth running back is on the Jacksonville Jaguars. You know, you know, do you know how many people knew who the backup of David Montgomery was besides you know, beyond Tariq Cohen? Do you know how many people knew the answer? Not many. Uh, maybe well, that's like why they five come, people. That's why they come to fantasy alarm. That is why they come to fantasy alarm. But what I'm saying is, is that, you know, <laughs> these, you know, people aren't just, locking in and we also have to we also have to cater to bob from accounting and the, and the league that he's in he's in a league with a bunch of idiots a bunch of office buffoons so i mean yes does it is it make sense that that you want to take more of a shot on the running backs than you do on a qb yeah absolutely but it's not the only answer
I never said it was. I, that was my opinion. So well, I don't know why, you why like you're arguing vociferously against me for it. You're arguing vociferously no, I'm not. against I'm, me. I'm giving, I'm giving my side, and then you're like saying going against me like oh well that's not the only way of course it's not the only way it's my opinion you asked what my late round strategy was and i'm telling you right so i, I was you're just, knocking I was it. trying to have a conversation no you're not yes i am i wasn't the one i wasn't the one getting mad you're like cursing at me well i wasn't cursing at you i was just cursing for emphasis there okay <laughs> I was just offering up a different point of view from what you were saying. Yes, I know. I asked you what you want to do and, and stuff like that. But I can I can question it. That's what this is all about, right? Isn't that what these pods are supposed to be about? Discussing theory? Yes, I think. I don't know if I got that memo, but okay, now I do. <laughs> so what <laughs> other late round strategies do you have, Adam? I'm looking for potential players that like have big big ceilings oh aren't uh, we all adam i mean come on no well no some I'm just people messing take, with you no. i'm just messing with you some people take like the boring <laughs> veterans i don't want larry fitzgerald i'm sorry there's to me there's no upside like what are you getting out of larry fitzgerald respect him he's been around a long time you're not, what are you getting out of him nothing all right fine he's gonna have what seven for 77 one week great guy's not gonna score touchdowns they brought hopkins in I don't want that player, man. There's just no ceiling there. So give me a young wide receiver that, like, uh, you know, like uh, D.D. Westbrook, Randall Cobb, any one of those guys. Brian Edwards. Well, Brian Edwards I like. How old is Randall Cobb? I feel like Randall Cobb 20, is I think old. he's 28, 29. He, yeah, he was, he was excellent for Dallas last year. I got to see him a lot. And I also heard some comments from him. He, he's 30. Uh, he just turned 30. Actually, oh, a couple days ago. So, yeah, I said 28, 29. Just turned 30. Happy birthday, uh, Randall Cobb. Yes, Randall Cobb. Uh, thanks for your service last year with Dallas. Uh, great year for you. Um, too bad the coaches sucked. Uh, no, but with Randall Cobb, uh, I heard some interesting comments from him. He actually gave credit to the Dallas Cowboys training staff. Uh, I guess he was having issues with hamstrings and stuff. And he said whatever Dallas medical staff did, it really helped him. So that's another thing, too. We never – you know, we talk about systems and all that, and we know this. We've seen it in every sport. You ever notice how some teams just get snake bitten by injuries? Could be the medical staff, right? And uh, I heard Cobb say that, and I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. He said they just did a really good job of, you know, with his legs, hamstrings, or whatever it was. And he wound up playing uh, 15 games the year before with Green Bay. He played nine. Yeah, listen, we see it in, in, in sports all over the place. How about the, your Mets medical staff? How, how many times were the Mets pitchers just a, a— Well, and as you just say that, like about three minutes before, the uh, training staff went out to the mound and removed Edwin Diaz. My guess is uh, it probably wasn't physical. They're like, oh, this guy just continues to not get the job done, so let's pull him. So, uh, and as we say that, uh, Jacob deGrom uh, leaves with the lead. It's uh, now 4-3, and the Marlins have the bases loaded two outs oh in the eight. Oh, my God. Right? See? Like, there you go. It's right on cue. Oh. It was 4-1 game when he left, now 4-3. And uh, I don't know I don't know who they're going to cl- use to close now. Dellen Betances? Great. Oh, I don't Dellen know. Dellen Betances, he was throwing like 92 in the spring, you know, before uh, COVID. And that was uh, no good. Yep. Yeah. Sorry, man. I'm sorry. 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 Hey, we got fantasy football coming up. But uh, yeah, I'm looking just for these, uh, you know, uh, younger players that maybe 
didn't don't have a, a rope. Maybe they're the third receiver on their team. I mean, look, you're not going to find many starters this late. Right. Uh, I guess Cobb is one, right? He should yeah, he should start. Yeah, I he think. should yeah. start. I like so, um, I, I like uh, Edwards too. You mentioned Brian Edwards. I love that call. Yeah, I mean that he is a real talent. He just had injuries in college. I mean, he was supposed to be real good. So I know there was some recent buzz about him, but the point is though, with a lot of these guys, they are all going to be cut, right? I mean, we're not more than likely we're not cutting guys in the first ten rounds unless they get hurt. So, and we have to make waiver wire pickups week one for the for the most. I think so. That I think for the most part, I don't want to make it an absolute, but pretty much. I think everyone is putting in bids week one because there are going to be things that we see that we're like, wow, I didn't expect that. And the key, obviously, is figuring it out. Can this maintain for the rest of the year or a portion of the year or is it a fluke? Because we do see a lot of flukes in week one, too. That's going to be the key. Uh, Trying to figure out, all right, who do I spend the money on and who is a a one week wonder? Because we see a lot of those as well. But you have to make cuts from your roster after week one. Um, all right, so there we go. So we're, we're looking for young, high upside wide receivers. We're looking for depth running backs uh, for any situation. It really is just a matter of if you can get somebody. Um, anything else there that we're, uh, that we're missing there for the uh, final couple of rounds? Yeah, you could look a second tight end, too, that maybe has some upside. I know... I know we started moving up draft boards, but early in draft season last year, Mark Andrews was one of those guys. You know, right. he was taken as a backup tight end and broke out in a big way. So um, you could look at some of those guys as well. Uh, but, you know, I'm looking for a player that could exceed their value in a big way. Uh, I'm just not taking like these veteran players like a Larry Fitzgerald where there's just not much there. Right. Yeah. You're, you're drafting Larry because of, you know, the name and the history. You're not drafting him because you feel like he's got that much more to, uh, to offer, especially on a team that, uh, you know, just picked up Deandre Hopkins. Right. That's going to be someone who, like you said, is the casual player. Doesn't know much looking at like, Oh wow. Larry Fitzgerald's still here. I know him. Yeah. Larry Fitzgerald. Yeah. <laughs> I can't find his name on the sticker board. Where's his name? Oh, <laughs> here it is on last year's. Or this one's from 2002. Um, all right. Well, you know what? Uh, good, good, good discussion. Good debate. You know, on on late round strategy. Just in the sense, you know, I mean, I didn't even want to jump into. You'd rather take a backup tight end than a backup QB, um, because there are a couple of uh, intriguing names late tight end wise that uh, that that I find kind of interesting. Jay Sternberger uh, is a name who I I find a. Uh, you know, somewhat nice. I, I I don't mind looking at him. I'm trying to think of uh, Irv Smith, Irv Smith, Dawson Knox. Yeah, a lot you know. of those guys, and they they you know you you watch them the first week or two, and if they are not doing much, you can cut them and always pick them back up if uh, they emerge at some point. Yeah, Gerald Everett. Keep an eye on Gerald Everett. Yeah, to see what they do with him. Um, I gotta think they're gonna run a lot of two tight end sets again. Um, yeah, probably. Uh, although I, I have been taking Josh Reynolds late because I mean, he's got ups, you know, you, you looked at it last year where, um, you know, you had, uh, cooks and, and cup and, um, uh, who's he, what's he, what's the Robert Woods, Robert Woods. Right. I'm like, you know, and, and, you know, Josh Reynolds is going to fill in that, you know, you know, he was that fourth wide receiver there. Now he's, you know, kind of looking at that third wide receiver spot. 
Um, and they have them lining up everywhere. So, yeah, I think that we will we'll see a lot of two tight end sets, a lot of 12 personnel, because that really worked for them beautifully down the stretch. Um, but, yeah, well, I wouldn't mind seeing them spread the, uh, spread the wideouts a little bit more also. All right, well, that's going to do it for us here on today's episode of Anti Up. Tomorrow, well, hopefully tomorrow's a better day than today was. And hopefully we get some uh, some some just breathing easy. We'll get some basketball games maybe. Maybe we'll get some baseball games. And, uh, and we can all try and uh, practice being nice to each other. Um, I think that's it for, uh, for me. Adam, any last words? Yeah, it would be nice if we could treat each other better. Oh. I hope that happens, but the odds are against it. <laughs> like, if we can debate like we did and still be friends afterward, that would be great. That's not the way it is right now. That is not but the way it is. hopefully we can uh, institute some of that change. Uh, and fantasy does bring people together. So uh, even though we do battle and we are competing against each other, uh, it does create a lot of friendship. So uh, that's what we're here for. That is exactly what we're here for. And let's face it, how many times you fight with your brothers, right? I, mean, I don't have any brothers. So. I know. I'm, I was just saying that to, the, to <laughs> you, the general public. <laughs> well, you want to battle about that? Dude, I have a brother and a sister. They're both assholes. How about that? I have, I have two sisters. Oh, there you go. So you fought with your sisters, right? Uh, yeah, I picked on them a lot. Yeah, you were like, I was dressing the me up in this outfit. I don't look good in pink, right? I got gotcha. you. No, no, no. I was the oldest one. I was in control. Oh, were you? You were the oldest yeah. brother? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, see. You know what? That explains so much. Coming from the middle child perspective here, you being the older brother makes so much sense. <laughs> really does. I hope that's not an insult. No, 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 no. Dude, listen. I <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. I nothing but love and respect for you always. And yeah, listen, you know what? We, we can disagree. You know, here's the funny thing. You take two New Yorkers with, you know, different points of view and what, what happens? I mean, we, we're going to fight with each other. That's what we do. That's what we're about. You know, it's like, yes. well, we don't want to talk to each other. We don't want to argue with each other. That's when you have to worry. When, when somebody's like, I'm not doing another fucking podcast with this guy. <laughs> That ain't gonna happen. I mean, at least it's not gonna happen for me. You might, uh, you might call uh, the the bosses over at FA and uh, and have a different story. I don't know. No, I don't complain. I just <laughs> show up, do my job. <laughs> there you go. Well, all right. Thanks so much, everybody, for tuning into this episode of Addy Up. Hope we kept kept you entertained uh, and informed at the same time. So, for Adam Ronis, I'm Howard Bender. This has been the Addy Up Podcast, and uh, we'll catch you next time.